And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that local shouting, it's Daynerin. Dave Ninimitz. It's Daynerin. Dave Ninimitz. All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast, Growlin'. Paul Niener Jr. and Dave Ninimitz of The Athletic. Welcome, Dave, to game week. Uh, week one. It's good to be It's good to be back after uh, a Jay Morrison appearance. It's like, uh, it's like dad came home for the weekend and now mom's <laughs> annoying boyfriend is back. So you're mom and I'm the annoying boyfriend. Uh... We're not married yet. You're not a stepdad. You're just you're just checking it out. Yeah, I'm just right, right, and that's part of what makes me annoying. Yeah, awkwardly yeah. parenting when you're not sure if you even should be. Sure, I could go out for cigarettes and never come back. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? It's always possible. Speaking of, yeah. there's other awkward boyfriends that are going to show up on this show today. I'm very excited about this. Uh, All right. You're not the only one, Dave. If you could commit, <laughs> maybe I'd have you be the only one. But there's others. I'm out there. I'm shopping. Uh, Mo Eger, of course, will join us. He, he's more of a regular. You know, yeah. he goes out for cigarettes every week, but he always comes back. <laughs> <laughs> actually man, I, 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 I don't think mo's a smoker i've never seen him smoke cigarette in my life. cigars <laughs> yes goes out for cigars would be more proper uh he'll be here we're gonna talk a little about season expectations and then because it is week one and it is game week and it is the cleveland browns on this schedule very we're, we're blessed to have zach jackson as our guest from cleveland which is always a fun conversation and i gotta tell you i'm very used to pessimism and sarcasm from zach because i think everyone is <laughs> and i didn't get a much much of that i think people are going to wow. be surprised at the tone coming out of cleveland uh right now but so long conversation with zach jackson about the bengals the browns the state of things i i, I agree with one assessment that he made spicy opener for both sides big yeah. fun big fun yeah. uh, a lot on the line uh so all right so that is a little bit of a setup for our show uh reminder Thursday night, one of the best nights of the year. We will be at 50 West in the beer garden, seven o'clock. We will kick off our live podcast previewing the season with, I've gotten many confirmations across the Cincinnati media landscape. Uh, James Rapine, Kelsey Conway, uh, let's see Ben baby, Jay Morrison, uh, many names you're very familiar with all planning on being down there. Of course, Dave Ninimitz, you're going to be there, right? I, I think or I will be, there. be out for cigarettes. I, well, that was, I set that up. Well, didn't I? You did. You did yeah. potentially even Dave. 
Uh, we're all going to be down there previewing the season in, you know, then afterwards hang out lions chiefs kicks off at eight 20. Uh, they'll have that up on the big screens in the beer garden, drink some pops, hang out with us and get your season started on the right note. We'll be down there looking forward to it. Hope to see you there. Um, I've got some stories up now. My, we have a story in the Bengals versus the bills. Who would you rather be, Dave? The Bengals or the Bills over the next three years trying to dethrone the current champion Chiefs? Uh, myself and Tim Graham in Buffalo lay out the cases, and you get to go in and vote yourself. We that one's a fun. That one's a fun read. I mean, it is. It's kind of crazy how linked these two teams are, and then now it's like they're both just in that quest to take over the Chiefs with their stud quarterbacks. Um, I, I found it really interesting just to see when you put them next to each other, the similarities and then the differences and like the bills are dealing with all sorts of weird stadium stuff and things like that. So uh, yeah, I, I encourage people to go out there and read that one. Yeah. It's always struck me how wildly linked they've been for two teams, yeah. that have, you know, never really had to go against each other. And now they are going to, you know, it seems like they're going to be linked on the field for a while. So fun one with Tim. Uh, you check that out. If you get a chance, um, I have, of course, my season predictions are out today, Dave. Um, and uh, we'll talk about this in a second. Uh, I did something I never thought I would ever do, ever. And I'm honestly ashamed of myself, but I couldn't <laughs> help it. I couldn't help it. I, I, when I, when it really came down to it, I couldn't help it. Um, but we'll get to that first. We have to start. We have to start right. Let me just say this. We're recording this at uh, 10, 12 a.m. here on Tuesday morning. And you may be listening to this and it's already old news. It, it, it you know, it's potentially happening right now. I mean, we know the sides are trying to finish this thing up. Joe Burrow contract extension. We know that's where it's at. Um, this has felt like for a little bit now, it circled couple of days. You know, before you come into that first Wednesday practice, Joe Burrow does not want to be sitting on that podium on Wednesday, dodging extension questions. Yeah, nobody wants it. And this is, and I'm not saying the deal would get done because he's scared of us or some press conference. The point is, that's kind of the start of things, you know. And this has always kind of been the point to finish it off and get it over with. Um, that makes the most sense. Uh, both sides want to get it done. And it's not currently done as we're talking right now, but you know, that feels like right now that it, that could, you know, be changing it by the minute. So I'm not, I don't want to go too deep into it. Cause you know, there's, there's no reason to dive into a bunch of stuff that could be a moot point soon. But for now, I still feel the same way that I've felt for a while. I still would be surprised if he was dodging questions on Wednesday uh, at the press conference and floored if he didn't have a contract by the time they're in Cleveland to play the opener. I still feel the same. Well, first off, I'm rooting for it this week because in, in run, pass, or boot a couple weeks ago, I went game week. Yeah, and I felt like it was going to be a news cycle thing. It's time to drop an NFL news bomb this week and make sure they dominate the headlines. Uh Two, the conspiracy theorists out there looking at the date nine five. 
nine as in burrow five as in higgins wow it, it's it's like nick cage and national treasure type stuff they're peeling back the the declaration of independence to get the answer on this so the theory is is that both would get done today that would be amazing and your head would probably explode this is the the vision that I have isn't you sitting in front of a Tony Gwynn poster behind you. It's actually <laughs> you uh almost always sunny in, in Philadelphia style <laughs> taking it in with all the the connections behind yourself. Uh-huh. I I will say 9 uh is a much more prominent in likelihood than 5 is yeah. at this point uh as we we get closer to the end but sure sure they are definitely connected. Um but yeah, I would say I have I have much I, I do not have as strong of feelings uh, that five <laughs> will be a part of this equation. But hey, September is a month going to be nine's going to be on the calendar for a while. Right, um, maybe maybe they go to tomorrow and bring Brandon Allen back. Wasn't he six or was he eight? <laughs> no, he wasn't six. We'll have to uh, we'll have to we'll have to contemplate who the next six uh, will be. We got Jake Browning. Yeah. Okay. So let's um that's that thing is that's kind of where that stands again keep it locked to us uh we'll, obviously i will have a burrow contract column when and if it happens or either way if it, i mean if it doesn't you're going to see a whopper of a burrow contract column coming your way because uh it would be an all-time mistake to well, not get re- this thing done by both re- sides real quick and not to drag it out the bengals don't tend to negotiate in the season so if this doesn't happen this week is he the exception? Do they just keep going and trying to get it done, or does that create? Uh, I mean, it. He is an exception to most every rule, but you know, it's also a thing where there's just a clear line. There's just yeah. a clear line in in once the season starts, the season starts, and he's so all football when the when when it comes to the game. Like, yeah, I, I don't see any world where anybody's comfortable going past this otherwise i mean it's like look he's got a 29 million dollar contract for next year already it would just roll over and that that would be a mistake but again uh keep it locked to us because we'll have plenty more coming as we track this by the moment by the moment i'm keeping things up keeping my phone in front (laughs) of me right now as we as we do this um on the health note things appear to be all good burrow continuing to show up at practice uh, he had the two days last week. He had an, uh, the practice on Monday. Um, all things appear good. Uh, just got to get through the week. So Zach Taylor hasn't said definitively, hey, Joe Burrow, week one, right? There's a plan to do that, but no reason to make definitive statements. He still has to get through the week. You still want to see him do all those things in practice and and not have any setbacks or issues. So no reason to say anything. I know people want to hear it. Um, the same way they heard it about Chita Bay Awuzier. It's just different when you're still trying to make sure you come all the way back from something. Make sure you're all the way back from something before you say anything official. But all I signs, just all, all signs are, are looking good right now, barring a setback. I just hope there's not gamesmanship here, like you're messing with the Browns. I only say that because would they really be preparing for Jake Browning? Or do they would just they need tell Miles, to? Yeah. Do they just tell Miles Garrett? beat him in the head with his own helmet and just go with that. Yeah. Just, just take the Mason Rudolph approach. Yeah. And that. So, yeah, I, I hope that's not the reason why they wouldn't just come out and say it, but I don't think it is. I think they want to wait and make sure he is 100%. Yes. Um. So that's, 
where that stands of elsewhere in, in terms of those things. Uh, you've got uh, Joseph Osai has moved into the quote day to day mode. Uh, and considering there was a contemplation of him maybe going on IR uh, with the high ankle sprain, that's encouraging news that they think he'll be back sooner rather than later. There's still time for them to potentially make that move. Um, they could be waiting, but that was a, an encouraging sign. And we saw him working out on the side on Monday. And otherwise, 52 of the Bengals' 53-man roster were all participants. Uh, first injury report of the season comes out Wednesday, so we'll we'll track that as well. But uh, looking pretty good on uh, on a health side. What I want to focus on before we get to Zach Jackson to talk a little bit more in depth about Sunday's game, and and we'll have a lot more big picture season stuff that we'll get into uh, Thursday night at Fifty West, and that of course we posted to the feed for you to listen to over the course of this weekend. Um, yeah, so my season predictions are out and. As I said, Dave, I did something I didn't think I would ever do. And in 14 years, I've never even, honestly, I, I would say I considered it last year, but just kind of, nah. It wasn't a long consideration, honestly. I, I picked and won the Super Bowl. I hate it. I hate myself. I hate the fact I did it. <laughs> I, I hate, I mean, but here's the thing. I have never seen them more specifically built to do so they have yeah. they have never been better in better position to finally do this and when you look around there's a lot of great teams in the AFC but they have all the continuity they've been to the brink they've got the franchise quarterback with the chip on his shoulder they've got a team of guys that still feel like they have so much to prove they have a real intensity about trying to not be five and four after nine games and trying to get home more home games in the playoffs and not have to go to Arrowhead. And yeah, they play in a tough division, but they went three and three in that division last year and still won it. And yeah, they play a first place schedule. I'd argue last year's schedule was harder and they're better. Their lines better. Yeah. There's very few places they're deeper on off on defense. They're deeper on the offensive line. And they still got those dudes. They're a lot is going to change after this year. The team is going to be constituted differently in personnel, in coaching staff more than likely. This is their last best wide open window run at it and, and they just feel very ready for it. And for that reason, I you know I don't think you'll ever have a, another time where you feel comfortable saying I, I think the Bengals can win the Super Bowl that you'd even be willing to, you know, predict such a thing. Yeah, and you mentioned in your story today you have to you have to kind of strain a little bit to find where the weaknesses are, and and it's not to say they're not weaknesses, but you know we sit here and get very granular on who the playmakers are at tight end and who the third down back is. Like if those are your worst problems and, and young safeties, and you're not saying it's a uh, patchwork offensive line or a total lack of anyone who can cover anyone. Like if that's what we're digging into to see what's wrong, the backup quarterback competition, then you're in pretty good shape. And uh, I think you're right. I think this is where the pieces are in place. 
And you look over the years when quarterbacks have gotten big contracts and you're exactly right. You know, Drew Brees would go get more money and suddenly the Saints had to recalibrate and different guys had to step up and your drafts had to hit well. Everything's in place. Everything's yeah. in place except those little things we we dig around on. So hopefully I'm not wrong about that in terms of like <laughs> the tight ends are a huge glaring problem. But uh, it just feels like the major pieces are all very much in place. Yeah. That and that's just it. I mean, and I went through and I tried to outline this in the story, and I've talked about it on this podcast a, a, a while back. But you know, there's there's a difference. I mean, as good as the Bengals were last year, and there were high expectations. I mean, I went back and looked through preseason odds, you know, and I was reading last year's prediction story, and there was still very much last year's prediction last year. This time was all about the Bengals are going to regress. They were a fluke. They, you know, they still have problems and, and they got lucky. That was the, that's who they were last year. And then they had the disrespect tour, which we documented along the way. And every week it was how they were being disrespected and how teams weren't taking them seriously. And you got to play, got to play us, right? Quit talking about the schedule. They've, never been clearly the hunted they've yeah. never had to play that role they've never had to bear the burden of massive championship expectations that everybody is has on them right now and that's not to say they didn't have those previously themselves because they did um and i think they handled them very well but you know there's a lot of teams that have had big expectations and very few examples of success. I mean, yeah. I, I, I line, I, I go through the list. If you take out the chiefs, cause the chiefs are the anomaly to everything, you know, you've got the last four years, 14 teams that were at least 12 to one favorites. The Bengals currently 10 to one. They're somewhere in that fourth, maybe fifth uh, bet, you know, favorite to win the Super Bowl. This year, 14 teams have been 12 to one or better over the last four years. No championship game appearances, no Super Bowl appearances. Five didn't even make the playoffs. Um, there's a, a bunch of examples of reasons why you had six made the divisional round and lost for a number of reasons. Three of them lost in the wild card round. A bunch of them won games. But there's so many reasons that seasons derail, man. It's just like there's nothing unless you have the true that dude at quarterback. Brady Mahomes is who it's been. Having that kind of consistency to live up to these super high expectations is wildly hard because the talent and the parity is so good in this league. Um, this It's a different journey. I think it is. It's a different journey for the Bengals this year for that fact. Yeah. And obviously injuries, injuries are going to be, yeah. And, it, you know, you look last year at the Rams bouncing back, all of a sudden you've got Cooper cup out. All of a sudden you got Stafford out and you have a team that also went crazy on their salary cap and had to pull back some of the talent there. And it's, you know, that, that can derail you. I think dysfunction can derail you. I think that's the beauty of having this continuity on the coaching staff. I think you've got everybody back in place and a quarterback who isn't going to cause you dysfunction, barring this 
contract thing going out of control or sideways, but um, you're right. There's so many factors and so many teams will just be better. Like you have on there, they'll lose to the Jags. And I think that's reasonable. There's a team that two years ago almost beat the Bengals, but at the same time was uh, just a tire fire with Urban Meyer in charge. And now they're a team to be feared. So the challenges are going to be out there and they're going to get everybody's best game but they sure do seem equipped to be able to handle it. They do. And, you know, we'll document a little bit with Zach Jackson uh, about the, you know, the AFC North where people maybe view the Browns as the weakest team. And uh, I mean, there's a definitely a timeline where the Browns win this division. I mean, they have so much talent and, and if Watson is better and does put it together, I mean, there's no reason they couldn't be the team or the Steelers or certainly the Ravens. Goodness. I mean, it's just, there's just a lot out there to, to, to have to get through and they're going to have to win in different ways. Uh, you, you, you like, you just like so, but you just like so much about where they are and their ability to overcome adversity because they've now done it two years in a row in different ways. And so I think you feel you feel good about their their ability to get through, um, you know, any a, any things that that the NFL throws at you. And it's so, so different every year. Um, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. But that that was kind of my thought. Another, you know. The other thing that's kind of a part of this was, OK, well, what's the you know, this I have the statistical breakdown in there. How does it happen? What what changes and, you know, I I think it's hard not to look at where Burrow and the Bengals offense got so much better midway through last year and then project that over a full season and say, you know, he should be so much more efficient. His interception numbers should come down. I think they spent whole offseason looking for ways to find more explosive plays even against in that, you know, quick to check down too high shell attack, use T Higgins more um, are some of the ways that stand out to me where it's like, you can see, you know, more players stepping up in different ways. Higgins being certainly one of those. And, and I think there's a lot of where you can, you can still see growth uh from year over year to where they become that dominant group, where they come that top 10 offense and defense. That's just really hard to beat. Yeah. And you've also got, you've got the contract factor. You've got Chase and Higgins trying to get their money. Um, they've got lots of incentive to go out there and you've got, you've got Chase cracking a hundred receptions this year. You've got both of them. You've got Higgins just narrowly under 1200 yards. Um, if if they're doing that, and if if Mixon is doing what he needs to do, that's that's pretty scary, pretty scary offense. That was already scary. It just gets scarier. Uh, speaking of getting scarier, uh, this is where we bring in our good friend of the program and yours, Mo Egger from ESPN fifteen thirty, to join us. Mo, what's up? How we doing, guys? Oh, we're doing great. It's game week, so there is a chance. Now we're not there yet, but there's a chance <laughs> at some point this week we might talk about an actual football game and the opponent. Thank and God, six of winning that instead of uh, contracts and calves and 
uh, let's see, uh, off the field issues and pay cuts and roster construction. <laughs> Can we talk about first and 10 at some point, you know, <laughs> and what's going to happen? Yeah, that I, I can't wait. It, it part of it is, and you, you guys deal with this. I deal with this. There's, there's so much, there's so much NFL related content that by the time the games begin seems almost pointless. Uh, you and I talked about this a little bit around cutdown day where, we obsess over these dudes who are going to make the roster and, and be like the last guys on the team. And the reality is the fortunes of the team aren't going to be decided by those guys. They're going to be decided by guys that we spend July and August, not really talking about. So, yeah, I, I mean, look, the, the contract thing is a thing for Joe Burrow. It's Tuesday of the first game as we talk and, and the deal's not done. And that does raise some questions, but the bigger question to me is uh, how does he look? How does Deshaun Watson look? And do the Bengals go on the road to Cleveland and uh, and start the season with a win against an AFC North foe, which after starting 0-3 last year in the division would be awesome. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, we'll save that for another day. I want to talk about it. You know, this is the one week where I think we can kind of get back to philosophizing about the big picture of where this team has now arrived at Mm -hmm. as we start this season. I, I... said at the top of the show and uh, when I did my predictions today, I did something I still can't believe I did. And I know I almost feel like I certainly will never do again. And that's actually pick the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. I never thought I would ever do such a thing that when you, when you look at where this team has come and, and where they're at right now, how do you, what makes you nervous? Because I feel like they have erased so many doubts about mm. how seasons can go wrong and how we typically see teams with high expectations get derailed. What is there something that makes you nervous or or is there not about their ability to handle these very high expectations in kind of a year where they're much more than they've ever been 
the directly the hunted team um, in in the AFC and in their division and so on. It feels like, you know, you picked them to win the Super Bowl. I don't love doing that because I don't love picking a Super Bowl winner because right. I don't know what the playoff bracket's going to look like. I don't know which teams are going to be dealing with injuries. I don't know. But if you are forced to pick a Super Bowl team here, it kind of feels like you're supposed to pick the Bengals, right? If not, then then what have the last two years been building toward? It, this feels like their moment. And I, I have framed it this way, that in my life as a Bengals fan, I've never gone into a season legitimately thinking they're going to win the whole thing until now. Like it, it, it just, sometimes it just feels like your time. What worries me? Uh, this is maybe a cop out answer. Uh, what worries me is what happens when injuries take their toll on this team? Are they legitimately deep enough? Are they going to be as lucky? I hate to use the word luck, but the Bengals haven't won five playoff games and 22 regular season games because they've been lucky, but some fortune has been on their side when it's come to injury. Now they've lost guys losing Chidobe Awuzie was something that most of us didn't think they could survive. And not only did they survive, they, they thrived without them. Um, and they've, they've had some other players, obviously what happened with the offensive line toward the end of the season had an impact on how they played against Kansas city. But I've marveled in November when I'm on the air and I read the injury report on Wednesday or Thursday and there's like nobody on it or nobody of major consequence on it. That's, that's something that has gone really, really well, comparatively speaking. What happens if that's not the case this year? And statistically, those things tend to not repeat themselves year to year to year. Uh, and this is something you and I have talked about a, a pretty extensively. That worries me. I, I, there is a part of me that sort of non-mechanically goes, okay, can can this team, how are they going to respond to the weight of expectation, right? Now, the expectations for last year's team were, we're pretty high, but I also think there was a sense of, all right, can they really repeat what they did? How much of that was a byproduct of things going the right way and all that stuff. It didn't feel like championship or bust. I hate championship or bust as terminology because that suggests that they're going to blow the organization up if they don't win. That's not going to be the case, but like this year they are going in as I think everybody regards them as legit uh, title contenders what happens under the weight of those expectations, understanding that the the dynamic of roster building is is going to change, understanding that while the window might be open as long as Joe Burrow is here, they might not have as good of a shot as they do this season. How does this group collectively handle that? Um, because I feel like from, from a fan perspective, losses this year are going to be treated a lot more differently than losses the previous two years. Whereas two years ago, losses were, they were just, you know, they were speed bumps along the way and they were things you can learn from. And now losses could get in the way of the number one seed or, or it could be a, 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 something that keeps them from winning this extraordinarily tough division. And I just think how this team and, and to an, a degree, this city, how we handle that is going to be uh, really, really interesting. How this team handles real adversity, which, you know, last year sitting there at four and four, man, they rallied, they bounced back, and they've done that often over these last two years. But with the expectation of championship 
You know, in this city, we're used to talking about, can they make the playoffs? Can they win a playoff game? And then it was a little bit different last year. This year, it feels like anything that, that isn't talked about in championship terms doesn't matter. And so how does this team, how do some of these individual players, how do we as fans handle all of that? It doesn't concern me as much, but I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by it. You, you've covered sports long enough, and I've certainly followed sports long enough that it's sometimes just different when the expectations are are massive. Uh, and so let's see how this team navigates all of that, starting with week one. Yeah, it's it, it's a different experience because, you know, if you're from Cincinnati, you just assume this is when the other shoe drops, right? And my line that I've always <laughs> used since they drafted Joe Burrow is that you used to say the other shoe's going to drop. And now you say, well, Joe Burrow's going to come out of the tunnel. And that's the difference is there's this, there's this feeling of hope and of this is why things are different with him. Mm -hmm. But that's, that doesn't mean that you still can't have seasons that end up disappointing or falling short of expectations the same way seasons like 2021 that well exceed them can happen. It's just the way the NFL works. One thing that you you touched on there that I want to touch on that does that makes me be willing to do something as stupid as picking them to win the Super Bowl is the nimble nature of the coaching staff is so underrated mm -hmm. in the big picture to have five years of everyone working together and mostly with a lot of these same players to know exactly what they have and how to handle the puzzle as it unfolds. Cause you're going to have to do things in different ways. We've seen them remake the offense on the fly multiple times to high degrees of success. We've seen them deal with major injuries to their stars to high degrees of success on both sides of the ball. We know that, and they know how to work with each other and solve problems really well. And so when you have that, you're just much more equipped, particularly with a guy like Burrow, to fix whatever comes your way. And mm -hmm. I think that is the underrated part that makes me more willing to believe that they can handle the high expectations than I have in previous years because I think they proved that. And I think they proved that last year more than any. Where it was like that was when you when you saw the way they changed the offense, the way they dealt with the Cheeto and the Jamar injuries, the way the way they ascended as the year went on, the way they really motivated, the way they took on the commissioner, like yeah. all of it really said, man, this staff knows how to make a team ascend mm -hmm. and handle stuff. And and I feel like we learned that and they're all back and they're all going to have big promotions soon. And you feel like you just only have so many times when you have that much brain power in the room that has that good of an understanding of how this team can win. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> in in a weird way, it 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 feels like it, it feels like the Bengals did when Mike Zimmer was still here. Yeah. You know, in, in 2013 was his last year and you're like, OK. Uh, they had had the same offensive coordinator, same defensive coordinator, same head coach for a couple of playoff years. And I think we were talking about the 2013 Bengals in slightly different terms, but there was a sense of, oh, okay, this continuity is going to be disrupted here soon. And so, yeah, I think that's, I think when folks from outside look at the team, they see Burrow in a good roster. I think we see here tremendous continuity uh, and, a, and an excellent coaching staff. We talked about this on your podcast two weeks ago with the defense. Lou Anarumo is a great uh, with a capital G defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, there's good questions about, okay, has his window sort of closed in terms of being a head coach? But I don't know, maybe not. Maybe if, if the team wins it this year, he's coaching somewhere else next season. 
in a job that he deserves. But yeah, it's 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 just the the accumulation of talents, uh, the the collection of coaches they have, and the, the sense of this just being the right time. And also, yeah, you were talking about late last year when they're four and four, and we're doing the whole okay, look at the schedule, look at all these teams play, and they coined the they got to play us thing, right? Like does does that does that not necessarily us against the world, but sort of effort we're better than everybody else thing? Does that carry over? into this year when, you know, again, like (laughs) the weight of expectation can sometimes really, really, really be hard for teams to handle. And the expectation for last year's team, you know, we, we, they were coming off a Super Bowl, So certainly we weren't going to be satisfied with, you know, 10 and seven and and squeak into the playoffs, that sort of thing. But it feels different now. It just, it, it, it feels, it feels different. Um, And, and how this team handles that, I think is going to be interesting, but based on their track record, I feel like they are well-equipped to handle expectation and the coaching staff, as you just kind of pointed out, seems very well-equipped to be able to handle all the different stuff that a season can throw at you from injuries to a player, not performing as well to dramatic in-season schematic changes to, you know, whatever it is, this coaching staff has done a really good job of just, we can, we can navigate, all the crap that comes thrown at you during an NFL season. I think the difference this year is all that stuff's going to get thrown at you. And the expectation is you're still the last team standing. How this team handles that I think is going to be, I'm not as worried, but I'm, but I'm interested. I'm, I'm intrigued by how this team sort of handles all that. Uh, And yet if they're down 14, nothing at halftime against the Browns, people will be calling for the firing of everyone. Yeah, but but like that's 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 kind of that's kind of how it works. It's it's just yeah, like because because that's because it's all heightened when the expectations and this is more about you know I think fan handling of those expectations too. Like if you're you know people what they want how how much they're anticipating this team and expecting them to just be this dominant group from the get go. I think does set you up to know that look sometimes. It it takes uh, uh it's been a rocky road for the for this club the last two years that for for periods of time they're not gonna win ten in a row off the jump this year I mean maybe I don't think so I they're don't not? think so probably not uh maybe I don't you never know but that you know it's it's one it's one thing to to play up to that level but to think that you can just pick right up uh, well. Is, is not that easy. I, as as you were just talking, I was thinking about, and it's not apples to apples because the method of choosing the teams that make the playoffs is different, but that 2021 UC football season. Uh, going into the year, we were talking about how who, they're going to be favored against everybody. They're going to go to Notre Dame and be favored, which they were. And if they clear that hurdle, who are they losing to? And if they don't lose, well, they can make the college football playoff. But you know, they're going to have to win with style points and they're, they're going to have to have a lot of things go right. And they won every game, but they suffered some close ish calls and how folks reacted to them and how the team responded to that. I, I remember saying to Desmond Ritter, boy, it, it, it feels like there was a stretch midway through the season where they were still beating everybody, but they weren't playing great. And I remember saying to Des, like, it feels like, Sometimes you guys are almost trying to be a little bit too perfect where, boy, if, if I, if I miss this throw on third down, oh my God, you know, because they, they, 
everybody thought they had to beat everybody by a thousand points. Now in the NFL, all you have to do is win by one. It's, it's not the same, but I, I remember watching the team at times that I felt like, okay, they're, they're not crumbling, but they're caving a little under the pressure of these massive expectations where they win every game. And because they're a group of five team, they've got to, they've got to win with style. They've got to blow out everybody. And I just remember at times going this, this isn't that fun. And then when they would win, but they would maybe, you know, they squeaked by Navy and they beat Tulane on a day in which they didn't play great. I'm, I'm watching fans. And again, it's social media. So you do what you want with it, but it's like, you know, they did win. Uh, they saw an excellent team. They got all these NFL guys, but there was also a sense of like, if, if it's, it's only going to happen now, coaching staff, continuity, the roster they had, the NFL dudes, the quarterback, fourth year guy. So it's not apples to apples, but okay. Let's say there's a game against an inferior opponent. They go to Arizona, beat the Cardinals by a field goal. And you're like, you know what? They should have blown that team out, but Hey, a win is a win. Are we going to go? God, a win is a win or, Oh boy, they barely beat the Cardinals. What's going to happen when they play, you know, teams, a, B and C down the road. Uh, I just, I'm not saying it's the same, but from a fan perspective, I think there's a lot of folks who really didn't enjoy that season because it wasn't, boy, if they can go 10 and two and play in a big time bowl game, that would be cool. It was, this team is supposed to make the playoff for the Bengals. It's, Massive expectations. This team is supposed to win the Super Bowl. Not every week are they going to look like a Super Bowl championship caliber team. Watch the Kansas City Chiefs last year. There were were uh, games in which offensively they spun their tires, especially early in the season. Are are we going to be willing to go? You know what? All you got to do is get the W and move on. All you got to do is is figure out a way to grind out a win. Or is it going to be? And and when they lose, and they're probably going to lose a game at some point, when they lose, is it going to be the absolute avalanche of crap uh, that uh, comes with these huge expectations? Or are we going to go, okay, minor bump in the road. This team's fine. This coaching staff is great. This team's going to be okay. They're going to be good. How we consume this season to me is going to be fascinating. And I think when you're, when you're solely focused on that last game, not even that playoff game, that last game, that regular season journey as a fan for a lot of folks, I think can be pretty miserable. We saw it in 13, 14 and 15 with the Bengals yes. in the regular season. Enjoy the ride. Do folks enjoy the ride this year? I guess, I guess the, the question that I have. And that leads me perfectly into the one last thing I want to ask you before I let you go here. And it's of course a run passer boot. Cause it's what oh, we do. Yeah. And you know, you know, we like that here. Well, you sound sarcastic, like you don't enjoy. It. I love like, it. I love run past. I feel like you don't. I feel like you think it's hokey. No, I don't. That tone, I can tell by your tone. You Wait a minute. Me accusing something of being hokey would be <laughs> uh, the utmost in hypocrisy. So no. no. Uh, here's my run passer boot for you. If if I the season has ended, mm-hmm. and I can tell you there were three paths um, that you could have say that you wanted to. Three rides you want to ride. Imagine you're standing on top of one in the water park. You're on top and you can pick to go down one, two, or three. One of them goes straight down. One of them's windy. They're all different. Which one would you choose to go in knowing this was going to be your ride? The Bengals go 15 and two, but they are eliminated in the wild, upset in in the wild card round. Somehow they're not the the number one seed. It's amazing. Just bear with me. Buffalo goes 16 and Buffalo one. Buffalo went 16 and one, unbelievably. <laughs> wow. Uh, just, just bear with me. Okay. okay. Uh they go eleven and six and lose in the divisional round. Or they somehow sneak in at nine and eight and 
end up losing in the conference championship game. Okay. Oh, man. So let's just say if, if you're picking one where they don't make the Super Bowl, it's just a different levels of the playoff and then different levels of the regular season success to enjoy and enjoy the ride, as we just said. Mm-hmm. Which one would you hop in? I'm enjoying the ride. I'm an enjoy the ride type guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, would being 15 and two being the two seat, I guess, and losing at home in the wild card <laughs> round be, be devastating. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, that that would be that would be awful. But I'm an enjoyed the ride type guy. So the the best seasons that I, I've as a sports fan, I I got the '90 Reds and that's it. But I I revere the 2012 team, won 97 games. I love that team. Hate how it ended. Look look back on that year with fondness. The 2015 Bengals. I love that team. Uh, hate how it ended. Was disgusted with how it ended. But I look back on that season with with fondness. Uh, and so give me a 15 and two, give me a talk of the league. This offense is clicking on all cylinders. They look unbeatable at times. Uh, when do they lose the first game? Because do we get some old 72 dolphins like doing talk show hits uh, in Cincinnati? Do we, are we doing that? I hope like, so. Are we like into December where it's like, they're still flirting with perfection. You give, give me all. So give me the 15 and two, and then I will deal with the fallout of the, uh, the two seed losing to the seven uh, at home. Uh, uh, are you booting? Are that. you booting the uh, nine and eight? Then you don't no. want a piece of it. No, <clears throat> I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pass on nine and eight because nine and eight tells me that this team was lovable enough to overcome some stuff. Nine and eight tells me that they didn't underachieve. It tells me. Joe Burrow had to miss some games and Jamar Chase had to miss some games. And this offensive line was ravaged with injury and some just gnarly stuff happened to them. And their poor record is not necessarily a reflection of the caliber of team. They have just some stuff didn't go their way. They found a way in and then they got it and made a run. And would it be disappointing to not get to the Super Bowl? Sure. But I think, all right, nine and eight. They figured out a way in. They won a playoff game or two. They won two playoff games. Maybe they upset a fifteen and two team in the two seven game, uh, and uh, and and they get to the AFC Championship game. I'm gonna boot eleven and six and lose the division round. Uh, that's, that's fun. That well, that's winning a playoff game, which we shrug our shoulders and then yeah, that no. shrugging the shoulders at the playoff game win now these days. Yeah, eleven and six might win the division. You're hosting. Uh, you win your game, you lose the division round. No, I, I, I'm good. No, I I want nothing to do with that. Give me, give me dominant regular season or so, so regular season. I don't want the good regular season. That's all right. That's by the way, we're now now sneezing at 11 and six. Yes. Right. We're now, I want nothing to do 11 and six in a playoff win. Yeah. I mean, imagine saying that in any year in between 2011 and really ever, really ever before two years ago. Yeah. Right. (laughs) <laughs> but but that's but that's like that's where we are now. I mean where that's it's quite a place, quite yeah. a place. And and I like it. But I'm, I'm going to run with 15 and two. I am taking the week off though after they lose the wild card game. Yeah. I'm, let somebody <laughs> no, else. I want you that. on the post game. I want you. What if I told you you had to be on the post game show after the after the the weird wild card you, loss? And that's part of this. Your your like walkout or our post game show? No, you're have, the call in post. We have show. we have FCC regulations. I have to abide yeah. by. So no, that wouldn't be 
That How would that compare to being? Weren't you on after the loss to San Diego in 2013? So I've the the, the literally the last two post game shows I've done, I was on after the loss to San Diego, which was miserable. That's the the most miserable three hours of sports talk radio in my lifetime because we were short on folks. Though I had to do the post game show after the Bills game this year. That was a blast. That was a good time. Yes. The the playoff win over uh, over Buffalo. That was awesome. But yeah. Uh, post game show, post wild card round losses, a fifteen and two team. Uh, I'll let I'll let anybody else handle that. It's 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 not the most likely scenario that they're the two seed, but I'm just saying, you know, in, in, if we're if we're making stuff up, let's make stuff up. All right, Mo, appreciate it. I will uh, I will see you down at the Moreline Logger House today at three o'clock, and who knows what we'll be talking about? We could be talking about news. I I hope we are. Thanks. I hope we are too. All right, thank you very much. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Always great to have Mo on and uh, plenty, plenty more to discuss with him as we go through the year and his regular Tuesday spot. But also as the year goes on, uh, we will continue to be talking to as often as we can our fellow beat writers across the athletic and with the being Bengals and Browns this week. There's a lot to get into what's going on in Cleveland. Uh, the Bengals open and close the year with the Browns, and it's a fun opener. So uh, for that fact, let's bring in Zach Jackson, our uh, our athletic beat writer up in Cleveland. All right, now it's it's that time of year uh, where yeah, the real games start, and that's great. But really, what it's about it's opposing beat writer time on here that podcast ground what everybody yearns for this time of year and we're just blessed really we're blessed to open the season with the cleveland browns because that means we can bring in our good friend great friend of the program zach jackson up in cleveland what's up zach hi paul uh to my four fans in Cincinnati, I say hello and thank you. That's two more fans than I have in Cleveland. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think this is an awesome opener. As strange as it is, that it's the opener and the closer, right? Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of sauce and spice to it. I think it clearly means more to one team than the other in the big picture. But it is the opener, right? So uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to Sunday and getting this thing rolling. Are there any notable uh, trends with the Cleveland Browns in opening games that we should know about? Well, they finally won last <laughs> year, um, which was the first time since 2004 that they yeah. won an opener. So, so, it, so it's it's old news now. That streak is old news. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it's always something here. It's always multiple things here. You know, I, I've said this about Stefanski multiple times. Like when you're the head coach of the Browns, you get 
one fire suit in one house and there's nine <laughs> damn fires going on all the time. Right. So when you look at that opener, they completely dominated for three and a half quarters. Then they completely collapsed and their kicker became a hero by making a 58 yarder on his first NFL kick. He's no longer on the team. He has completely fallen apart since then. Um, a lot has changed since then. Uh, but, they're, you know, the core is the same. It's a talented roster. They have obviously some quarterback stability, although there are major questions this year. And it's just a completely different vibe because I think anybody – really thought that they were punting on last season and there was risk in that and whatever. So they've patched some other things. They've spent an, an ungodly amount of money. Again, they have a new defensive coordinator, a new kicker, and uh, we'll see how it all goes starting on Sunday at one. Well, you know, you mentioned it. I mean, this game has spice in a lot of ways because the Bengals have for now two years. I mean, almost, you know, it's hard to believe it's still surreal, been the, the class of this division and part of the class top tier class of the NFL. And the Browns have desired to be that they have spent to be that they have tried to sign a quarterback that can be that. And we have to start there. We, ha I mean, everything with you guys starts there. As you know, here's my question though. I'm a try. I, I, I can only imagine how many different times someone has tried to word this question to you differently over the last year and a half. I feel like we Deshaun Watson on the football field, we focus a lot on what we don't know because I don't know that we know anything for sure. Is he going to be 2020 Watson? Is he going to be the last six games of last year? Is this who he is now? Is there a middle ground? Let me ask you this. What do we know? Deshaun Watson will be on the field this year. Is there something that we feel like we can count on that we'll see? Yeah, he's going to be out of the pocket and he's going to be letting it rip. We can count on that. Okay. Um, and Paul, we can count on him being better. There, there's a track record that says it. There's my eyes who have seen, you know, probably 96% of the passes he's thrown in two years of, of training camp and off season practice and all of that. Um, there was a concerted effort to go get Elijah Moore, go get Marquise Goodwin you know, go get Jordan Akins, who's just a backup tight end, but he's one who played with Watson before, you know, to give him those avenues. So we do know that, you know, it's going to be the full experience. This offense, and, and this is part of the reason I'm going to pick the Browns to win on Sunday, there's going to be this element of surprise. It's a full college offense, right? You're going to see every option play, every shovel pass, every rollout. Um, you're going to see him let it rip. You know, he he is best when either by design on a rollout or play action or by improvisation, he gets out and, and it's just, you know, he sees and, and he either tucks it and takes it off or he throws it on the run. And so that that's what we know. Um, you know, we also know that they went and got him in part because they looked down the highway at Burrow and Chase. You know, they looked at Pat Mahomes. That's the last playoff game they had. I'd have made a desperate quarterback trade too, right? And and they think, and, and they're probably right on this, he is the most talented quarterback that they've ever had. And so they have Miles Garrett, who's still very much in his prime, and they have Nick Chubb, who's still very much in his prime. And they have Joel Batonio, um, you know, who who might be a Hall of Fame guard, is part of an offensive line that's five experienced, well-paid dudes. Um, and they want it to all come together, and they think that it will. So we haven't seen that, not that you win any trophies in training camp um, and, and, you know, not that you throw any parades over week one, but I think you're going to see an offense this Sunday and in general, the idea is to make you defend every blade of grass as cliche as that is. 
And they think that by adding Elijah Moore, by getting Watson more comfortable, by having Amari Cooper, you know, it, it pretty much 100%, which he wasn't at the end of last season. And then not forgetting about Nick Chubb, who's still as good as they come, that they can eventually become that um, where where Watson doesn't have to be a world beater, but occasionally his talent makes a play or two that just simply the Cleveland Browns have never been able to make. I mean, it, it's we, we saw the Bengals really morph into a, a different team around week five uh last year where they got their offensive line kind of figured out who these guys were and and how they played correctly and burrow really evolved into a more efficient quarterback they didn't take the negative plays he got brought his sack numbers down a lot and they beat people up for three months except for one team they they were they were only housed by one team Mm -hmm. and it was the cleveland browns on halloween and everybody else, they went on a 10-game winning streak after that, and it took they were a play or a call away in the AFC Championship game of returning back to the Super Bowl. But 32 to 13 happened. And it and granted, they were coming up the Jamar Chase injury was new or whatever, but there's a track record here. I mean, the Browns ha- are constructed in a way with Miles Garrett and, and a lot of the way they do things, it just feels like there's no denying that it's not just made up out of nowhere that they they fit the Bengals well for them. I mean, they play them well. What, what from your view, is the biggest reason for that? And why do you, you know, project that out even more so maybe to Sunday? Yeah, I mean, if I started with Sunday, I would start with the element of surprise on offense, Paul. But that might be 1B. I think 1A would be Miles Garrett, Zadarius Smith a new attack-minded defense against another remade O-line, right? Better than than previous versions, but probably not there yet. Um, And just to go do it. Now, I think that what happened in that October game and the fact that the Bengals didn't lose again until the AFC Championship game really says everything you need to know about both organizations. But they've done it, right? The previous year at midseason, they came down to Cincinnati. It was the week after Odell quit the team. And that was a housing, Mm -hmm. right? uh, Burrow was out by the end of the third quarter. So... They can do it. They have the pieces. Um, I'm sitting here right now writing this, this keys to the season piece, right? And I got all these windows open, pro football reference, pro football focus, all these fancy stats and all of this stuff. And Paul, most of it is just comes down to like, I can, I'll, I'll put some of that stuff in there, but it's like, they've spent a lot of money. Guys need to play to their potential, right? Like last year, they lost a game to Marcus Mariota. He completed seven passes. Um they lost a game to Joe Flacco when they were up 13 inside the two minute warning and the jets didn't have any timeouts. I'm not trying to scar anybody. I'm just like, <laughs> this has been the reality. So they go in the off season, they spend a bunch of money on Dalvin Tomlinson thinking he'll help free him up. They get to may, they trade basically nothing for Zadarius Smith. He's in a contract year. They think they're going to get the best out of him and buy it early returns. They have, he's in phenomenal shape and looks like he's playing for one, one last big deal. You know, everything except the Denzel Ward injury, which was completely preventable, they're they're ready to rock and roll. So, you know, why, when they're healthy, do they match up with the Bengals? Because they have really good corners. And again, this is the, the Ward thing that we don't know. Because Miles can just wreck games, and this looks like the best version of Miles. And because now they have a defensive coordinator who I think is going to just if they're just a cleaner overall operation, Paul, and force a couple more turnovers, they're going to have a chance to win more games. So is that an if in week one? It's one of a thousand ifs in week one, but we know they have some matchups. They have some dudes 
the Bengals play some teams that they're better than, right? Um, they're better than the Browns and they're a better organization right now than the Browns, but the Browns are good enough to give them some matchup problems. And the Browns are really good enough, I think, to put them in an early hole on Sunday and, and really maybe force Burrow out of a comfort zone that he doesn't yet have because it's week one and because he hasn't played all summer. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's no doubt when you, when you talk about one team that, that wants it and maybe needs it a little bit more, uh, you know, and then the other team has been on, you know, they went on coast through the off season, trying to keep everybody fresh. And, and you had the whole calf thing uh, where you don't have any of that practice. You don't have them out there. You don't have him with his first team offensive line. I mean, would a series in the preseason have meant anything? I don't know, but he wanted it because sure. last year he had five turnovers in the opener against Pittsburgh, and they still damn near won. Yeah. Uh, but and coming off the appendectomy, and he doesn't want to see that happen again. He doesn't want to see this team fall on an zero and two on the season hole again. But look, they have started slow. They've been five and four at the break, two straight years, despite ending up at the Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game. They were zero and two last year and looked pretty bad doing it. They needed a miracle in the opener in 2021 against Minnesota to win in overtime. It's not like they've they've not been a start fast team. I I think that's partially how they're constructed uh, as a coaching staff. A coach that's really good at reacting on the fly and building mm. things on the fly and getting better, and a quarterback that particularly gets better as the year goes on. Um, but they've ne- they've never been that from the start. I think they think they can be. They recognize that playing in Arrowhead in the AFC Championship game is a problem. That they should probably not start five and four if they don't want to go down that path again. Yeah. And there's a real, I think, urgency in them to not let that happen. And they have a schedule once they get past the first two where you can very realistically sit there and be like, yeah, they should be five and one at the bye. I mean, they've got Rams, Cardinals, you know, a list of teams that they should beat, Titans. And so. I think there's an urgency there, but again, with the lack with, with the injury to burrow and just sort of all of the stuff and how important is the Cleveland, the history up there, the matchup issues. I think you're right. I mean, I think you look at this as a, as a sneaky game where man, the, the Browns have to have to like this spot to get positive momentum going for them and create some of the good chemistry that they've been so badly feeling like they've, they've needed in recent years. Yeah, I remember the schedule coming out and then like the next day it pops up on these sports books, right? Now it's now it's legal in, in Ohio. I would I would have <laughs> never looked at a line before last January one. No, but anyway, no, uh, no, no. You know, I thought, well, wrong team favorite. And I thought, well, you know, of course the, the, the Bengals are what they are, and and not having Jamar Chase was a big deal. But Paul, we both know that game wasn't even as close as 32-13. No. <laughs> like it just wasn't. And and with the Browns, especially fresh on the defensive front, I think that's a big deal. So, again, I'm not going to be stunned um, if they come out and do and, and if the Browns don't have Denzel Ward, and, again, it's concussion. He has a history. We don't know. He might be at practice tomorrow. We we, we don't know. Um, you know, he is a guy that can he, – he's run with Jamar Chase as much as anybody has, like like we've seen it. And Martin Emerson, their second-year guy, is is really, really good. He's still getting better. 
It's just, you know, when the Browns are healthy, they have the best corner trio in the league in Newsom, Emerson, and Ward. You lose one guy and the drop-off is steep. I mean, they're playing – a. if Ward doesn't play, they're playing this journeyman special team or Mike Ford at slot. Like Tyler Boyd will have 15 catches if he wants to, <laughs> right? Um, and so a lot of it just how it goes. Miles is going to get back to Burrow. Does he get back there once or twice? Does Joe see it coming and bail out? Or does Miles take the ball away and the Browns run it the other way? So – um, we'll see. It's going to be an electric atmosphere. It's going to be perfect weather. There's going to be a Jim Brown tribute before the game. Um, the Browns know what's at stake. Like if this thing is 14, nothing or 17, three in the middle of the second quarter, I just, I won't be surprised. So, yeah. um, and, and again, it's the NFL it's week one. Maybe we're completely misreading it because I do think even in a deliberate game plan, I think the way you kind of counter this Browns defense is be patient, quick screens, um, you know, run it right at them, kind of that stuff. So we'll see. We'll see uh, how it goes. But, you know, if Watson and this offense get rolling, they're not only dangerous in this game, they're dangerous all around. I still think they're I, – I, I know there's an element of a little bit of angst, of a little bit of getting the timing down. I think it's a really big deal. Marquise Goodwin, who's been around the NFL forever and is a super good guy, he had blood clots um, and missed all of training camp, and everyone thought that his career was over. And you're just rooting for him. And now he's back. He's a designated deep ball guy to really test. I know the Bengals have two new safeties back there, right? And, and the Browns in general, even experienced safeties, get caught peeking in the backfield at at uh, Nick Chubb, get caught worried about David Njoku, who looks great. So the Browns have a lot of ways to beat you. They still have you know, not strung it together. But I think it Watson, the Cincinnati game last year was Watson's second game. You know, the Bengals won pretty decisively. He showed some moments, but wasn't. The three of the next four games, he did play better. And when they went back in the offseason, the coach and the GM and all involved said, you know, he's getting better. This was natural. We're throwing out the first game specifically. And they said, we didn't have a guy like Elijah Moore who can just give us that explosion. You know, we didn't have some of these other things. They were playing guys like they were – Last year's game, Demetric Felton started at wide receiver for the Browns. He's now a running back on the Bengals practice squad. <laughs> Nicest guy, not an NFL player. Like, he's yeah. just not. So, um, you know, what? The, it, on paper, I expect the Browns to win. On paper, the Browns should be good. Um, what am I going to think at 3.45 p.m. on Sunday? <laughs> I don't know. Um, or, or the following Sundays. It's why I love week one almost as much as any week all season long it's it's we are fed so much baloney over the course of nine months and whoa it's gonna be this and we think that and and yeah you're not gonna yeah well guess what now you have to you go out there and have to prove it and now it goes from everybody being optimistic to everybody thing sucks again and you really learn what was bs and what was real and Mm -hmm. and it's always surprising and it always changes dramatically from year to year and shifts dumb narratives that evolve in our stupid 24 uh, seven, you know, culture that's out there around sports media and particularly the NFL. And I love it because that's what happens. It can change. Look, Zach, I covered the Cincinnati freaking Bengals now for 14 years. Okay. I have, I can tell you a little bit about how perceptions change. Yeah, about a franchise and it happens in a snap. It can happen in a game uh, for all time almost and in a one draft pick, certainly. Uh, So to me, 
the I, I see exactly the same way you do. There's no reason the Browns couldn't come out here and all of a sudden things feel so different. Yeah. With them and with the and with the North. I would say this, Paul, like timing matters, right? Like week one seems to favor the Browns. Like timing matters. Sometimes no you draft Baker Mayfield, sometimes you draft Joe Burrow, right? Like <laughs> it's it's only franchise altering. Yeah. You know? <laughs> There's no question. Um you're you know, I know you're you and John Greenberg appear to be betting men. You have a column now that you do mm-hmm. with college football bets. I appreciate that. You guys, you know, going out of your comfort zone uh, for us there. Um, if you if you had to make one bet on the 2023 Browns, what what would it be? You know, Ooh, it- um, I might. If I thought the Browns are going to be good and I think there's a strong chance. Although, like I said, if they win 11, I'm not going to be stunned. And if they win seven, I'm not going to be stunned either. I would probably bet Miles Garrett at six to one to win defensive player of the year. Yeah. Because I think if you feel like the Browns are going to win 10 or 11 games, he's going to have like 22 sacks, right? The the late season games are going to be getting flexed to 425 and 845. And he's going to be that. So they're, they're, you know, nine and a half is their season win total, Paul, just over 500. They're basically a pick them to make the playoffs or not. So there's getaways around it, but like just one one bet plus six hundred on that, I think that that's a flyer. I mean, you know, same with Nick Chubb to win the rushing tie. I think they want to be a more open pass centric offense. I think Garrett was a little bit better than that, but like there is big time talent on this team, and they went and spent a ton more on Dalvin Tomlinson, on Juan Thornhill, on uh, Okoronkwo from Houston, and then went and got Zadarius Smith you know, for, for this pass rush, they brought their center back at a bunch of money. Um, Every offensive lineman is under contract at big money for multiple years. If you count wills on, on his option year for the year coming up. Um, And then they, they did these restructures because Watson makes so much, his cap number is so outrageously high the next few years, they push money way ahead on Batonio on Garrett on the Joku, like they're committed here. So um you know, the, their drafting has not been phenomenal, but the spending has not ever been an issue. And when they went and got Watson, it was obviously a lot of things, but they were saying, we're we're willing to make this financial commitment and this draft commitment. They were saying this roster is good enough. And then it went out last year and finished in fourth place. And you can make excuses and very valid ones for why that happened. But here it is kind of the same roster with those guys they just added. Outrageous spending um, and should be high expectations for you know nobody really thinks that that they were a fourth place team but the results are what they are and and they need to turn around quickly they're the only team in the league paul that plays all three of its division rivals in the first four games yeah so if you wondered why watson played in the preseason at least a little bit i think four drives altogether um that's why because they can't you know they don't necessarily need him to throw for 400 to win on sunday or whatever but you know, they go from this game to a Monday nighter in Pittsburgh, a stadium that the Browns have won twice ever. And once was an empty stadium playoff game. So <laughs> twice ever. It's been open since 2001. Um, I, I had I did my season pr- predictions that came out today and I had I, I must have flip flopped everybody in the AFC North about 10 times trying to figure it out. And I ended up with the Browns and I put seven and 10 on there. But after this conversation, I think I'm switching to the 15 and two. I think that's it. I think you, 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 you sold, but isn't it, it's never been a talent thing though, Zach. I mean, for a few years it was, but yes. Yeah. But but I mean, in recent years, like to me, 
It's, it's yeah. it felt like every year we've looked at it and said, Jesus, they've got so many dudes mm-hmm. and it's never come together. And I, I feel like, you know, if they could, ju- it's always felt like if they could just get it to come together, um, then they're just a, an absolute, you know, they could be a nightmare for everybody. Yeah, but no, like, never know. I, if if they win this game by two touchdowns on Sunday, I will not be surprised, and neither will you, based on this conversation, right? Yeah, no. But if it comes down to surprise. a field goal at the end, like we know McPherson's making it, and they're not. Like we yeah. just know. We just right? know. There's no question. every year at this time. I'm like, history doesn't matter. History doesn't matter. It's the NFL, and then the Brown season starts, and there's Miles Garrett's in a car wreck, and guys are quitting the team, and you know all these field goals are not getting made, and all this shit's happening. So. You know, I, I'm really like Zadarius Smith and Garrett should wreck. But last year at this time, you looked at Clowney and Garrett and you thought, oh, my God, that's that's scary. Yeah. And Clowney quit the team. Well, no, no, uh, no easing into the season for new big ticket left tackle Orlando Brown or moving to right tackle Jonah Williams. Uh, it's 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 right into what it is and why they're here and uh, why the Bengals feel they have the best offensive line they've had since Andrew Whitworth was employed by them uh, or. And, uh, and, but, you know, we'll have to, we'll, we'll learn quickly. Uh, everybody will learn it quickly as we always do on week one. And I learned so much here, Zach, this was so great. Uh, I always appreciate catching up. I look forward to seeing you. Uh, if I, you know, if I don't see you somewhere Saturday night, like great lakes or anywhere, any number of establishments <laughs> I've been known to wander into when we head up to Cleveland, uh, great catching up and we'll, uh, we'll see you up there. We'll see you up there see on you Sunday. This weekend. Looking forward Thanks to for it, brother. Me. Absolutely. Yep. All right, much thanks to Zach uh, for joining. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, I'm like, should have picked the Browns to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) I mean, it's true, though. It has always felt to me like the Browns, if they could just put it together and play like a team, they would be so scary. But it just seems like things happen. You know, I've I covered the yeah. Bengals for long enough that I know what it's like when it just seems like things always happen. But there's always reason to believe week one up there and this year as much as any. I think uh, what they've got going for them, too, is because everybody's assuming they're the the fourth team in the division. I mean, the expectations are not huge, probably outside of Cleveland. You don't hear people talking about it a lot. Um, they could sneak up on a lot of people this year. And I mean, you got just flat out elite players and Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb. They've got pieces there for sure. So definitely a good test for the Bengals to start the season out. And right away, you've got a result in your division column. So uh, this one's pretty huge to start the season. Yeah. Um, for Arby's this week, uh, I, I wanted just kind of relay some of the conversations I was having as I went around the locker room on a story that I'll have later in the week. And I like to do this every year as a way to kind of get a sense of how the players that know uh, view who really feels like they're about to have a special year. And uh, I, so I asked who would be the first time pro bowler uh, on the Bengals this year. And so they, they're pro, pro bowlers on their current roster, Burrow, Chase, Joe Mixon, Orlando Brown, uh, and Trey Hendrickson. Uh, that's it, which is wild that their defense only has had one pro bowler in Trey Hendrickson. But so you've got this the rest of the roster, and I asked as many people, coaches, players, whoever that I could find, who they thought would make their, their first. And 
but they couldn't pick somebody from their own position group because they're all biased. They are. <laughs> they still tried to. Everybody I would ask was still trying to be like, can I? So I can't sneak my guy in? No. No, because you all do that. So we got to have somebody else. And I thought it was remarkable how many people are saying T. Higgins. Really? Because you know Jamar's here, and you know how you know the AFC receiver world is. But, I mean, it, it was quick off the mouths of a lot of people. Wow. T. T. Higgins feeling like he's just ready. And the way I think there's partially the way that I think they're going to feature him differently and try to get more explosives out of him. Maybe it's something that was resonating with people. I think when you talk to players, players, no players that are playing for money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Marvin Lewis used to say, I want a team full of guys on contract. Years. <laughs> and, and, but, but I think it's interesting because it affects different people, different ways. Jesse Bates admitted, man, he was in his own head for the first half of that first contract year season. And, and it can affect people differently, but you know, there was a lot of talk about that, about Chidabe Wuzie, another guy who's kind of in a contract year where I think internally the players are really seeing the focus from those guys who have money on the line right now and knowing how much it matters to them. Um, as I went around the locker room, uh, this isn't a funny Arby's, but I just found it interesting how many of the guys that were mentioned to me were contract year guys. Mm. Uh, it was like I felt like the players were kind of latching on to that motivation that's um, maybe a theme in the room right now. It's interesting because I, when you said the question just now, the names that popped into my head were Evan McPherson. I don't, I just think this could be the year he gets league-wide love um and another guy who's got a contract coming up is dj reader i just think the league's finally going to notice how good dj reader is i think it's it's time for like the general public to realize how good that guy is and his name was mentioned as well yeah yeah and there's there's money on the horizon for him too so no question no question but i yeah I, i found that to be uh it's an interesting list. I'll have more uh, insight in some of the comments from from everybody in that story uh, later in the week. But um, it was just something that that struck me. Whereas, like the the background of these contract years, mm-hmm. it's going to be an interesting storyline to track as the as the year goes on because the uh, guys are out here and they they know they're playing for the bag. As the kids say, they got oh. the, to get the bag. You love the bag. I will say, if you put anyone's getting their bag in a story, I will edit it out. <laughs> it's it's akin to calling a tight end a matchup nightmare. I'll take it out every time. So every time. <laughs> uh, Burrow's bag colon <laughs> extension signed. You can look for that in the athletic suit, right? Uh, all right, Dave. Appreciate it as always. Thanks to Zach Jackson. Uh, thanks to Mo Egger. You, Dave. Hopefully, we'll see you guys. Um, at 50 West on Thursday night. Really looking forward to it. Should be great. Weather's appears to be shaping up for a beautiful night in the beer garden, which makes it even better. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we will talk to you next time on here that podcast crowd. Have a good one, everybody.